As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Today, we'll be showing you how to up-level your confidence. Because before you even walk into the room, guys, you need to believe that you are a freaking badass. The words you tell yourself about yourself matter because your internal voice will project your confidence. Or lack of confidence. Before you even speak. Guys, people will make a judgment about you within five seconds of actually meeting you. So your level of confidence and how you show up matters. You can't stop me now. No, you can't. When I first met you, one of the questions was when you went into the Secret Service, like, you know, how did you handle it being a woman up against all these guys? And you freaking knocked me for six with your answer. Do you remember what you said to me? I never thought about it as I was a woman. I never thought about my gender. Dude, that hit me so freaking hard. And when you said that, it reminded me actually of a study that I had read where women, if they go into tests, because typically, I don't want to be, you know, gender stereotypes, but typically men are known to be better at maths than women. And so women, when they go into a math test and they're reminded that they're women, they actually perform worse just because they're reminded that they're a woman. I actually started to think about how it did you such a service to not think of yourself as a woman going into secret service. I guess I base it off of character, which has nothing to do with my gender, with anything. I earned my place here. I trained, I was assessed. If I throw in my gender um, or anything else, right? Now, I'm not making it about my worth and what you've accomplished. You're making it about something that, in a sense, probably has nothing to do with anything. And it's interesting, right? Because it's, we're both about empowering women. But at the same time, it's you want to empower women, but not give this theme that because you're a woman, you're at a disadvantage. Because you're a woman, things are going to be harder. Because you're a woman, no one's going to listen to you when you say something. Because you're a woman, blah, blah, blah. And so what you end up doing is you end up validating that story. You almost help do this self-fulfilling prophecy, whereas you come in as the underdog because I'm a woman, it's going to be harder. And you bring that energy, one, you bring that mindset and it's going to affect you. And it's going to play out in everything you do. We have a limited cognitive load, right? The ability to focus and give energy to something. I don't have the energy to put it into worrying about something that meant nothing really in the grand scheme of things. This is the energy I have and I'm going to put it into something positive. I'm going to put all my focus on what I need to accomplish. So for me, it was always about setting a goal. I set this goal and my, my, my focus is to accomplish it. But the language I use is important. So if you have the mindset, I'm a woman, and you, but you think of it in an empowering way, then great. But if you have the mm -hmm. mindset, I got this job and now I'm a woman and what's it gonna be like? You're kind of putting yourself at this disadvantage. I guess you could look at it this way. When I wasn't in, I could have been like, oh, I'm the only woman. My mindset was like, yeah, I'm the only <laughs> woman. Good job, me. When I was um, first starting in business, I, you know, as you know, I was like, just gonna help out the husband and his business partners. And so I'd walk into these boardrooms and it was Tom and his two business partners and they all had 
you know, 15 years of business experience. And I used to walk in there being like very intimidated because I was a woman, these three guys, very big, muscly men. And I was very intimidated. Like, oh my God, I'm the only woman in the room. And it really did do me a disservice until I started to realize, hang on, why am I saying I'm the only woman in the room? Instead of saying that, go, oh, they've got 15 years of experience on me. Okay, great. They're going to be, they're naturally better at business than me because I just haven't put in the years. It's got nothing to do with the fact that they're men and I'm a woman. It's got to do with the fact that they've put in 10 to 15 years of work to get where they are and I haven't. Even now I still have that thing that's like, oh, but you're a woman entering this space. And instead of trying to stop that, I go, okay, maybe this this negative voice that I'm hearing that's trying to keep me down, like you said, it absolutely diminishes me. What is it just trying to tell me? Like, instead of feeling badly about it, instead of trying to judge it, what is this thing telling me? So let's say it's walking into the room, it's like, oh my God, you're the only freaking woman in the room. Hang on, negative voice. Is that really what you're concerned about? Or what else could it be? And that's where I learned, oh, you just don't have enough experience. Like, what do you know compared to them? And I was like, oh, what do I know compared to them? So like taking that negative voice of like, what are you doing? You know, you're, you're just a woman. Like that does come to me. Very honestly, it does. I think it's because it's habit. You've had that negative voice yeah. for a long time. And so because it's there and it's made a home within you, mm-hmm. now you have to, you're trying to throw it out of the home. You're trying to evict that negative voice. It's going to take time because it's been living there for so long. That's interesting. I'm actually, you're right, but I'm not trying to evict it. I invite it in for a cup of coffee and give it a blanket. Oh, so you're nice to it. I'm nice to it I give it the finger. (laughs) (laughs) Because here's the thing, I used to give it the finger and it didn't freaking go away. It just kept turning up, right? Like every time you open the freaking front door, it was standing there. Um, So I do the opposite. I'm like, oh, come in, have a cup of tea. What are you trying to tell me? And in that has allowed me to go, oh, it's not that you're worried that you're a woman compared to a man. It's that you're not prepared. You're not listening. So I know less. Great. Learn more. Oh, I'm not prepared for this meeting. Great. Be prepared. And that's been the biggest freaking flip. I really do think that confidence isn't just, it's not like genetics. It's not like you're just, you have it or you don't. I really do think it's like a skill that you cultivate. And people think of confidence as being the end goal. But really it's, I think you build it by gaining competence. And in order to gain competence, you have to start somewhere. And that means you start when you're not competent. You are right about you're not. Some people may be born with it, but most of the time it's cultivated. Confidence is habit. Are the habits Mm -hmm. that you have on a day-to-day basis, do they make you confident or do they demolish you? Mm -hmm. So language, which is what you initially opened up with, how we we speak to ourselves, how we think of ourselves, So that's kind of like the foundation. If you don't have a healthy dialogue with yourself, then it doesn't, it doesn't matter what other people do to you. You're, you're diminishing yourself. So I really think about the way I speak to myself. Mm. I I won't call myself lazy. um, If I feel unmotivated because there's nothing lazy about me. I won't say Evie, you're so stupid. If I make a mistake, I'm going to make mistakes. I will not speak that way to myself because when you speak that way to yourself, at least for me, Mm -hmm. I I push myself down. So nobody else needs to do anything Mm -hmm. to crush me. I just crush myself. Think about the daily habits that I use from day to day, moment to moment that help build and shape and mold my confidence. It doesn't happen overnight. And I think language, internal dialogue, is one of the most important things. You know, not calling yourself an idiot because you misplaced the keys. Little Mm. things like that. I used to, and it was very detrimental to my self-esteem. Very detrimental. Lisa, you're so fucking dumb. Like, and it would really tear me down. And now, going back to the negative voice, I'm like, it just used to tear me down and I can't switch it off. So how do I on earth get confidence in something when I don't have like even the confidence to do one little thing or even speak nicely to myself? So I had to flip it and go, okay, if I don't know something, instead of tearing myself down, be like, okay, you don't know this, but now I can learn. Instead of saying, hey, Lisa, you're so dumb, you don't understand this. Do, I, you, do you do that still? I used to, no, I don't anymore. But that was definitely um, what I used to say. You're, so, you, you're dumb, you just don't get it. I removed the word dumb because that does not serve me. Again, going to what language serves you, you should use it. What language doesn't serve you, you shouldn't use it. So that doesn't serve me on a day-to-day basis. And so what I say in those situations is you don't get this, but you can learn. And just by giving myself the grace of saying, hey, you don't get it, but you can learn, 
allows me to go, oh, well then how do I learn? I have to ask. And then it flips it from, oh, I'm getting more powerful now. I can get even better. And that framing now doesn't stop me. It, for, it encourages me to keep putting my hand up going, I don't get it. Don't understand. Sorry, don't get it. Like it really does allow me to just push forward in the most positive sense instead of being held back. Where do you think that negative language came from? Like you gave me the examples. You said, I used to talk to myself this way. How does, how does that happen? Oh God, there's many things. But I think for me, it was, I grew up in a family where my older brother and sister were very good academically. So we would sit around a table, Greek family. We would sit around a table and my dad would like throw out math quizzes. Now I'm the artist in the family. So you can imagine I get thrown a math question. My brother and sister can go bam, 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 bam. And I hesitate. So just that alone puts me just growing up every day, feeling less than. Then going to school, I completely excelled at art and totally struggled at academics, math, English, like completely struggled. So it built up a self-esteem issue. And then, you know, I think like anything is you get told it enough, you start to believe it, then you believe it. It doesn't matter what happens to you. Even if you start excelling after that, it becomes a part of you. And so I just realized, I just have to unwind it. Like instead of beating myself up that it exists because I can't change my past, the 25-year-old, the 30-year-old Lisa knows better, knows that it doesn't serve me, but it's a habit. You even said, right, at the beginning, it's a habit. So don't beat yourself up. I've got a bad habit and now I just need to change it. I need to give myself the grace to acknowledge it exists and now work on every day unwiring it, changing that habit. And that habit came from every time I go to call myself dumb, call myself the student. Every time I go to say, Lisa, you don't have the fucking confidence, say yet, right? So I don't have the confidence yet, but I'm going to do it anyway. So reframing, re-saying these phrases, I don't have the confidence yet. Like literally, I'll just keep repeating it. Every time I get scared, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it until you act. You know, it's interesting. I won't do the yet thing because I don't want to find myself in the future. I want to find myself now. Mm. When I hear that, I think, no, I need her now. Ah. And I don't know, like, if maybe when I do my mentor session, sometimes people will say to me, I want to be confident. I want to be this. And I'll tell them, how about you just are that now? And I'll make them write up kind of a paperwork and I'll ask them, what have you done? I'll ask them about their strengths and all that. And I'll read it and I'll say, I mean, you're already confident. Do you, mm. do you not see this? Did you read mm. like all the things you've done? Did you read all the things you've experienced? the trauma, the things you've overcome in life, I kind of think you're already her. Mm. And so I maybe... Is that really true though? Yes, so I think so. Because in that, I th because I think we have moments where we're here and then mm. we go here and then we're here and then we go here. So I think you're, you're there, but you choose not to maybe tap into that. I have my moments where maybe I'll lack confidence in something because I don't know it, I don't understand it. But I have developed that mindset of, I deserve to be here wherever here is like, and maybe, maybe this is where I'll bring in negative language. I've kind of been like, well, that bozo can do it. <laughs> it's so fascinating because you're right. We, we take different um, framing of how we're thinking about it in an effort to improve ourselves in the now. Because for me, it is very empowering to be like, you could be Lisa, you could be anything you fucking want to be. Even if you're not that person now, you can be it. Like I get so excited about the dream of just set your mind to it. What do I want to be? And how the hell do I get there? Like, that's so exciting to me. But I actually understand that how you frame it still is empowering, right? It's like, you're that person. Come on, you're that person. Like, I get the... I think when you have people write down, I have people write down what they've accomplished, mm. what they've done, even if it's a negative trauma or experience, I'll have them write it out. And then I'll, I'll lift it up. I'm like, how does somebody who's overcome this not have confidence? It really does tie into what I was saying about um, competence, that you need the competence by showing someone, hey, you don't think of yourself necessarily right now as confident, but look at these things. And by um, focusing and highlighting these things, it shows that they've actually built the competence. They just don't realize it. Look, 50% is what the world does to you, but 50% is you. This you can manage. And so if you want to be those things and you want to change those things, then it's something you can do. When you manage your confidence and belief in who you are and why you are there and why you are doing something, 
and you drown out the noise because a lot of times it is noise, you will focus kind of like on your goal. What's my mission? What's my goal? What's my end result? But if you waste your time listening to the negative language of other people and then letting it live inside of you, then it becomes part of you. Mm. And I think if you can recognize this is part of me, how do I maybe either sit down and have coffee with it or, you know, for someone like me, it's like just shut the door. <laughs> either way. Nobody's home. <laughs> you know, in talking about confidence, I guess if I had to say there's one thing that I specifically do that helps me, it really would be to over-prepare. Preparation has been, I guess you could say, my secret weapon to helping me. So when I look back at all the different things I've, I've done, so like, for example, when I was in the Secret Service, I, I actually was not very good with the, the academic stuff. I've never actually been good with academics. I really had to put time and work, work on it. But then when you go through training, they teach you legal jargon, things that I'd never done law. I didn't know this world. And my first exam, actually, I failed it. My first legal exam in the service, I, I remember failing it and thinking, I can't blow this. And I realized that I had to put in more than everybody else. The way I could learn, I, I, I would write everything. So I would hand write the textbook as a way to, to learn. I didn't really share it with a lot of people because people thought it was nuts, an extreme. But when I would have these opportunities, I didn't want to lose them. Mm. One of the things that calmed me to this day is over-preparing. Mm. So when I'm over-prepared, it's one less thing I have to worry about, right? I know what I'm going to say or I'm prepared in that I have knowledge or that I've studied. So when I'm over-prepared, now I can actually focus on other things. It actually elevates my confidence in that I understand what I'm going to speak about. I'm going to understand what I'm going to be tested on. It's not an easy thing because you'll look at other people and say, well, that person doesn't have to put in all that time. Why do I? Mm -hmm. We're all quite different. But for me, over-preparing has definitely helped me to boost my confidence. Even after I left the Secret Service and I began working in television, I didn't understand journalism. I didn't understand TV. And I didn't like feeling like that. I would feel I lacked confidence. Mm. Because I didn't understand it. So I went and I applied to Columbia University Journalism Schools, one of the hardest schools to get Did into. You? As an adult, I left the U.S. Secret Service and I applied to go back to school, to college as an adult. And I got in and then I studied journalism and I got my master's degree there hmm. because I needed to feel like I understood what I was doing. And I over-prepared. So you literally were like, okay, I'm going from this to this. I want to be in journalism now. I actually don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I have zero confidence because I have, don't have the competence yet. And so you went and that was your solution of like, get studying really hard. So I go into it with confidence. Yes. Actually, you just said it. Competence equals confidence. Yeah. When I became an interrogator and polygraph examiner, I was offered the opportunity to get a master's in forensic psychology. And because I wanted to feel confident in the room mm. so that no matter what came my way, I would understand it. Assessing people, mental health issues. I've had somebody with a personality disorder, narcissistic, antisocial. I went to school while I was in the service. And I think it was while I was still on the president's detail. And I went to school to get a master's in forensic psychology. And that was my first master's so that I could feel confident doing interviews. That, I guess if you were to say what is your secret weapon when it comes to feeling confident, really that is it. Dude, that's so freaking powerful because here's one thing that I um, always want to make sure people don't think, oh, it's easy for Evie and Lisa. No, 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 no. We've had, like, at least me, I've had moments where I have no idea what I'm doing, zero confidence. The very first episode of Women of Impact I ever did, I was like, I don't have, like, I'm not good in front of the camera. I haven't done it very often. Um, so I'm going to pick someone that's a very good friend of mine. So I chose Cassie Ho, she's a very good friend of mine, and she agreed to come on the show. And so I was very relaxed. I wasn't tense because, you know, she was a good friend and we'd hung out so many times that I thought, oh, it's supernatural. So she sits on the sofa and I'm like, hey, welcome to the show. You're my first guest. I was so excited. I do the whole episode and then right at the end, 
I'm like, oh crap, I don't know how to end this episode because I hadn't practiced. So I almost had a full sense of confidence. What's up guys, my name is Lisa Billiou and I'm the co-founder of Question Oh God, you know what, start again. What's up guys, my name is, I'm, oh, totally my bad. <clears throat> All right. So when I found myself in a situation where the unpreparedness hit me, my confidence fucking plummeted. So in that moment I was like, oh, and there's the episode. I had no idea, so we had to stop it. And we actually had to pause and I had to talk to my producer and I had to talk to Cassie and I was like, guys, how do I end this episode? And since then, that crippling feeling that I got, I've held on to it, girl. I've held on to it because it has taught me such a powerful lesson. Be prepared. Be so overprepared that no one can catch you ever off guard. So now, as you know, when I have a, when I have an episode, I have post-its everywhere. I have boards everywhere. I listen to podcasts. I do like at least an entire day of research. Very rarely can throw me or say something to me that can catch me so off guard that now I'm frozen. Because that's the point. When I stepped in front of the camera, that was my biggest fear. What if I freeze? And I did freeze on the first episode and I learned my lesson. What up, guys? Now I'm going to share something with you. I can sometimes have a tendency to overthink, question myself, and sometimes, or maybe very often, doubt the decisions I've made. And so my mind just starts spiralling round and around. Does that sound familiar? Well, let's face it, when it comes to hiring people on your team, the pressure to make the right choice, the right hire and the right person is even bigger. The stakes are so freaking high, so you need to actually make sure that you have the right tools to help you find the right people so that your team can actually have clarity and work with utter confidence. And that's why, honestly, you've got to go check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion, let me repeat that, a billion with a B, professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals that you can't find anywhere else. And their simple tools make it so easy for you to filter candidates that actually have the skills and experience you are looking for, which saves you time. It's the one thing you're never going to get back is time. So hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. It's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's exactly why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So guys, go check them out. LinkedIn jobs can actually help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So go and post your job for absolutely free, guys, at linkedin.com slash Lisa. Once again, guys, that's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. Now, we've all had that one friend who chimes in with the old adage, if it's right, it should be easy advice when we're having relationship problems. But from my experience, homie, that's not at all true. Whether it's romantic, friendships or professional, all relationships, all relationships re require that you put the time and effort into growing and developing the re that relationship. And the best, most rewarding relationships happen when both people are willing to put in the freaking hard work to make that happen. I mean, that's certainly been mine and my husband of 21 years motto. So my homie, when you do actually face challenges in your relationship, therapy can be a great place to feel heard and work through it. And there's no easier or more convenient place to get started with therapy than with BetterHelp. Now, BetterHelp is 100% online and flexible to fit wherever and however crazy your schedule is. Because that's the important part, that you can absolutely have BetterHelp navigate your current life with the bandwidth that you have. And all you have to do is answer a few questions to get matched with the therapist that actually can best help you and be catered to you. So guys, become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. So go visit betterhelp.com slash women today to get 10% off your first month. That's help, H-E-L-P dot com slash women. When you're working really hard to build the freaking amazing life and career that you want, it's sadly really easy to push your health needs to the back burner. And guys, listen, I totally get it because not all that long ago, that was me. I put everything into my business, everything into my goals and my family. And yep, I totally ignored my own health and wellness. And so I just learned the very hard way that putting your well-being first is actually the key to being a confident, 
unfreaking stoppable badass in everything that you do. So, my homie, put yourself first and get mentally and physically strong with Allo Moves, your go-to app for everything from meditation to yoga to strength training to hit and so much more. And I love how Allo Moves has such a wide variety of class types and levels to keep you motivated with whatever you need on your journey. No matter what your path is, it's time to make a move with Allo Moves. So right now, guys, you can go and get a free 30-day Allo Moves subscription by going to allomoves.com and use code WOI30. That's allo, A-L-O, moves.com, code WOI30 in all caps. Allomoves.com, code WOI30, all caps. So what you're doing is... It's really interesting because it's actually a strategy that was done in the U.S. Secret Service. When security is done, when security measures are put into place, most people think that what you see when you see the agent standing next to the president, they think that's the security. They think that's the Secret Service. They think that's the security plan. That is nothing. Mm. At that point, if, if you're, just, you're just a bodyguard in that moment when you're in that function. It's called a shift, but you're just there to block anything that gets through all the layers that have been set in place. It's a reactive part. The majority of being prepared, of being confident in your plan, is actually being proactive. 80% of all the security measures we did, it was proactive, meaning it was all the stuff that was done before the actual event took place. Mm -hmm. So if I would go somewhere, I remember once I went to Botswana, and I was the agent in charge of preparing for the overall security plan for the first lady who was going to come visit. I went there a month out. I was in Botswana for a month in advance, preparing everything. But yet, when you see the first lady getting off the plane, you just see the agents that are around her walking down. You don't see me working with the embassies, the host country. You don't see me working with uh, the local law enforcement, the military there. You don't see me bringing in the guns, the gear, the ammo, the cars. I mean, all that work. And you don't see me putting a tactical plan in place, everything. And so that no matter what happened, no matter what got thrown my way, there was a plan. Fire, got it. You know, biological attack, got it. Chemical attack, got it. Radiation, nuclear attack, got it. Hospital trauma, got it. So there's all these elements so that when things go wrong, which they inevitably do, I didn't have to think my plan was in place. Mm -hmm. And so you have that confidence of, I've lined everything up, but what you're talking about And intuitively, I do the same thing is I am proactive. I prepare, prepare so that when things happen, I am less reactive. Mm. When you're reactive, you're sloppy, you're emotional, you're in that moment, you're going to make mistakes, you're not sure. And so when you have everything set up for you, you also walk into this, you know, I walked into my assignment and event with the first lady, confident that I'm probably going to keep her alive. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a plan on moments when you're not confident? I study. I overprepare. I'll call people up. When I used to do the, the news more, when I did the commentary on an attack or a shooting or something, I'm not an expert in everything. Mm. And so I would reach out to people that I knew maybe had special expert, expertise in something and say, hey, can you speak to me about this? I understand it in a bigger sense, but in case the conversation goes technical, I want to be able to articulate myself. Mm. I will do the homework because I've had those moments too where you get caught off guard and it, it's an unpleasant feeling. And I think the trauma you experience in that moment, much Mm. like that first episode, kind of really makes you, that hits your confidence Mm. because you don't want that to happen to you again. You didn't like the way it felt. Yeah, that's so true. And I guess where I was going with the question, so public speaking, I'm still petrified. Like it still gets me. I still don't have much confidence when it comes to standing on stage. But here's, because here's the thing, I've got a plan for when I'm not confident. So prepare, prepare, prepare. Do I know what I'm talking about? Yes. Do I know the themes? Yes. Have I put a deck together? Yes. Have I got my photos? Do I have an order? Have I practiced? Have I practiced? Have I practiced? Yes, 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 yes. What happens if you go on stage and you say something wrong? I just said, just laugh. Because if everyone, everyone else is holding their breath. And so if you're like, oh, 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 oh. Everyone else feels nervous for you. But if you're like, well, that was silly, everyone's just going to laugh with you. No one remembers. And then you move on. And now I've stopped myself because what you said is at the end of the episode or with you, it's if something goes wrong, it pulls your confidence down. Yes. And I knew if I was on stage and I do something that messes up, 
in that moment, how do I make sure I don't plummet? How do I make sure my, my confidence doesn't go back to zero? And so I had a game plan for when my confidence goes, you know, when my confidence hits me. And so it was make fun of yourself. So when I was on stage and I said, oh, you know, my father gave birth to my grandmother, I was like, well, that would be weird. And so I just made fun of myself. And in that moment, everyone laughed and I just kept going and it didn't dent my confidence. Girl, as a kid, I wore the most boring clothes ever because I so was um, petrified of being noticed because I was teased a lot. So as a kid, I would wear super freaking baggy pants, like those pants that are like 10 times too big. I'd wear the really oversized sweaters because I was so insecure. And growing up, I realized, fuck, I totally missed the mark on being able to use clothes to actually help me get more confidence. It's, it's funny you say that because I didn't think about clothing when I was younger. I looked horrible and I dressed horrible. I remember one day I wore these bright purple pants that were huge and they were big and I had to fold them up to here. And then I wore this red Hawaiian shirt that was missing two buttons. So I put safety pins on them. And I went to my mom's store. My mom had a hair salon. She saw me. I will never forget her face. She looked at me and she grabbed me by my arm. She pulled me to the back. She's like, you don't ever leave the house looking like that again. Mm. She's like, take pride. My dad being very, very Greek, he didn't like that I wore such baggy clothes because he didn't think it was very girly. And he would like, he would say to me, how are you going to find a husband dressed like that? Like he would say that to me and I never got it. I was like, if anything, I just want to hide. But then in growing up and getting into business and like doing the show and like doing things now, it's like, it's such a way for me to express myself, A, eh? and actually it's my, it's my magic power. It's my cape. It's my superhero thing. It's like when I put on my clothes, it really is like putting on a cape. Like if you ever seen kids, just give a kid a cape, sit back and watch how they behave in 15 minutes. What are they doing? They're freaking jumping on sofas. They're putting their hand and fist in the air like they're a superhero. They actually embody it just by putting on a cape. And so for me as an adult, like you can see how freaking excited and energized I'm getting by just talking about it. I really do feel like clothes. That's why I wore my boots today. It's like, I'm not gonna do an episode about confidence without freaking showing up fully confident. And so I was like, what does that mean to me? Got my boots on. The second I put it on, it's just zip. Like, I just feel this energy getting more and more excited, putting on the watch. Like, I'm like, yeah. Like, there's, there's so much power that I've realized now as an adult in the way that I dress that A, I'm really sad that I didn't use it as a kid. I used it as a way to hide instead of as a way to give me power. Um, and then I really do feel like it's a way of kind of putting a stake in the ground of like, this is me, this is my identity. This makes me feel good. And I was so fearful of doing that as a kid because I didn't want to be picked on that I tried to fly under the radar. You know, I, I, I smiled when you said that because it is one of my favorite things about you, your authenticity, mm. that you are your authentic self. And in a world today where everything is, there's so much of a, a missing and a lack of authenticity, how you present yourself is, is important. But it's interesting because when I thought about dress more, probably in my, my professional career, we were kind of taught to dress in the way we wanted someone to interpret us or to receive us. Actually, in the, in the service, there was an informal dress code where you were only allowed to wear, on the president's detail, dark suits. Mm -hmm. So you could wear a black, navy, uh, or gray, no other colors your shirt underneath was white or uh, you could wear maybe a light blue. And so the, the idea, the concept was that you are to exude seriousness. You are to exude severity. You are to exude, don't mess with me. Today is not the day. I am not the person. The Secret Service signature design, which you see, everybody sees the dark suit and the glasses. It's actually not by mistake. You know, it was created, manufactured to exude a message. And then I began to utilize that as well when I did interviews. I would interview a lot of men, so I'd always wear heels in the interview room. When you say interviews, you mean interrogations? Interrogations, yes. And my, when I did my interrogations, I would interview very hardened people, most of whom tended to be male. I would wear heels to kind of elevate myself. 
I would again wear dark colors. I never wore skirts, ever. Always wore pants. Uh, even to this day, I think I feel the most powerful when I wear pants. Hmm. That's like, maybe that's my secret superpower. Although today I tried to go a little bit different because I do try to embrace the feminine part of who I am. But pants, you put me in a pair of slacks, I, I can talk to anybody. And I usually will wear them like if I'm meeting with a group of men or I'm going to an important meeting, like I will wear the pants. It's just like, I'm going to roll in like you dudes. And so that's kind of the way I've always thought about presentation. And there are moments where I do try to dress for myself and how I feel what I like, but I've always had more of the, what am I trying to exude to the world or to the person listening? You know, if you're trying to connect with like children, like teachers, you know, brighter clothes makes you more approachable, makes you more engaging. But I've always like, actually, probably if you open my wardrobe, everything's black, <laughs> white, and beige. I've been very neutral. I know somebody's trying to get me to wear pink. I'm not going to say who. It's because of the way it's like, use your outfit to convey a message. Yeah, it's so fascinating. And there's so many little nuances here. Because when we're talking about this, I dress to give myself an emotion and a feeling in order to show up for where I am. So let's say, you know, with this, I really, you know, episode on confidence, you know, I'm sitting with freaking every pompous, like I'm going to show up and be my full confident self. So I put on the watch, I put on the boots, but that's really for me to feel a certain way in coming here. But for you, actually, it's almost, it's not the opposite, but you're trying to get me to feel a certain way about you. Is that right? Yes. Or also maybe I don't want my my outfit to distract you. I don't want my outfit to make you think I'm not serious. Mm. But in, in what you're saying though, so okay, so with my previous job, you know, I had to wear dark suits. And um, I remember sometimes the other female agents, I remember one of the things we needed to, to look for was loop, loop belts, um, a belt line that had loops because we had gear to wear. Mm. And it was one of the hardest things to find suits, women's suits, that looked good mm. with belt loops. This, is, this was the, like the bane of my existence <laughs> when I was an agent. It was really hard. And I remember asking a couple of female agents, they're like, oh, just go to um, Joseph Banks. I was like, Joseph Banks, the men's suit store? Oh, yeah, just, you know, get for one from there. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. If I have to wear a suit, I'm, not, I'm still going to look my best so I can feel my best. Mm -hmm. Kind of what you're saying, so I could feel confident. I'd, and I would find these nice tailored suits. And then in addition to that, hair and makeup, I worked, when I worked the morning shift at the White House, I had to be there at 5 a.m. And so that means I had to be ready, dressed, and, and you know, at the house. I would wake up early to do my hair and makeup. I was like, I still want to feel good about myself. And I remember one morning, it was like super early, I, one of the female agents walked in, and we were in what they call the down room, and I had my makeup done, my hair done. And she said, I'll never forget. She said, why, why do you bother? Almost as if I had done something wrong. Like, why do you bother? And I, I looked at her and I was like, why not bother? I was like, I'm the White House. I was like, I can't think of a better place to look my best. <laughs> I was like, I might die today. Where if I'm going to go down, I want to look my best. And it stayed with me. And I, I really, I bothered because it made me feel good. So it's like, yeah, I got to wear the suit. I got to wear the flat shoes, but I'm still going to look my best so I can feel my best. Because mm -hmm. I felt good. I could, I, couldn't, I could not, I never rolled into work without any makeup on, ever. That was like, this, I'm, pe I'm keeping that part of myself. That was for me. Mm -hmm. That was my part. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, I went all those years, nobody really pushed back on me. But it made me feel stronger and better. Even when I went through the NYPD Academy, I don't know how it is now, but when I went through, there were like no makeup and it was really hard. And so I would like try to sneak on a little concealer under my eyes or try to do something because I was really getting beat up when I went into the New York City Police Academy. I didn't know what to expect. I, it was a world I didn't know. I knew I wanted to help people and serve, um, but it's a very paramilitary organization I didn't understand. And I would constantly get in trouble for like makeup. And I remember one day, like, I put on mascara. I was, like, really done. It was, like, hard. It was in the beginning for me because it's just a world I didn't know. And, like, the instructor, because she knew me because I was notorious for breaking these rules. And I would, I would be punished by doing push-ups. And I remember she came over and she's just like, 
Papadoukis, which is not my last name. <laughs> and she just came like right up here and she just touched. I remember her going like this to my eyes. Are you wearing makeup? And I was just like, yes, I am. And, you know, and she was pissed. And I ended up having to do push-ups. And so every day was a test, like, how can I put a little bit more on but not get caught? It, it built up my confidence because mm. I needed to bring a part of myself. So that's interesting. Actually, I have a question for you as you were talking. You are always looking just freaking sharp, girl. Like your hair, your makeup, your outfits. How are you making sure that you don't solely identify as that and get paralyzed to make sure that you always look a certain way? Like I really feel that for myself in the sense of I love jewelry, I love showing up, but I never want to get trapped there. Like I want to dress how I actually want to feel. And on some days, if I want to just have no makeup on, I don't want to be paralyzed to being like, oh my God, but that's not my identity. Lisa needs all the braids. Lisa needs the thing. And I'm, I'm always very aware of that. Are you, like, do you have any type of um, thing where you're making sure you're not holding your identity to always looking no. amazing? No, because of those jobs, because they were so severe, and so extreme, that's why I pushed back a little bit to hold a bit of myself. Also, women typically at that time, I think it's shifting, they were seen as very masculine. In a way to survive, you would dress like the guys, talk like the guys, behave like the guys. And it's like, who are you now? And it's like, so I have to become a man and look like a man and sound like a man so that I could be good at my job? Mm. Fuck no. So, but I didn't make that my identity. So there's plenty of times when you, you and I have Zoomed where I've got no makeup on and I'm home, I'm in my sweats. Mm -hmm. I don't really sit and think about it. And there's moments where, yes, do I want to look nice or try to look nice? You know, sometimes it's hit or miss. You do your best. But I don't live in that. When I work out, because I work out outside, I run outside. My husband actually literally makes fun of me. I work out in the cold in the elements. My sweatpants are ripped and they have holes in them. My sweatshirt has holes in them. And he's like, he says to me, he's like, how you don't come home with like people giving you money thinking you're homeless? <laughs> he's like, I don't know. In that moment though, I don't care about what I look like truly when I'm outside running in the elements. I look, I look unrecognizable. I'm a beast in that mode. I'm focused on my workout. I'm not focused on what I look like. So I'm not rigid. Mm. I'm not one thing. I, f I flow. All right, today I got dressed up nice for you, hopefully, right? I want to present my best self. When I work out, if it's hardcore, I'm focused on my workout, not what I look like, because that's going to take away from my workout. So I guess I flow in what I'm trying to do. Is it functional? Does it work? We shift and adapt to how we're feeling in that moment to what we're doing, or maybe what we're trying to feel, which is with you, your, your element is like, this is who I am. This is what I feel. Like, I can't imagine you in anything other than what you wear now. Which is interesting, because that's the thing. Like, when I, I remember this clear as day. My mum, um, oh God, I must have been maybe 16 at the time. And my mum asked me like, oh, I'm going to go to the grocery store. Can you come with me to help or whatever? And I was like, I don't have makeup on. And she was like, okay, we were just going to, to the store. And I was like, mum, I'm not leaving the house. Like I wouldn't leave the house because I didn't have makeup on. I was that insecure. So even as we're talking about how to dress, it was like, now I'll post photos in my stories, especially me, no makeup, no braids. Um, but there was a time where I was so insecure that I felt like my identity was only um, safe if I had makeup on, if I looked a certain way. And so I think that that's actually why I do what I do now in that I force myself. I don't actually anymore, but when I first started, I forced myself post pictures without makeup because I know my personality and I know I can get obsessive. And so, like you said, I know I can get rigid, girl. I know I could be that person if I let myself go back and spill into, oh, but what are people going to say about you? What are people going to think? Because it's just that natural part of me that I can't shut down. And so show everything, all the flaws, all the things that you don't want people to see, show it now so you never have to freaking worry and you can always just show up to be naturally you in any way, shape or form. And I've leaned into it because I know I can spill over into worrying about what people think. And I remember even working with the first ladies, and I can share this because I shared this story in my book with the former first lady, Mrs. Obama, when I had her. I mean, she, she had a routine every morning and I would really see her give love to herself and that she would wake up very early every morning, do her workout, she had her routine, 
and she would get ready with her her team, her hair person, her makeup person, regardless about politics. That doesn't play a role here. I saw how much time she invested in herself. I respected that, and actually I learned from that. I would see the thoughtfulness that went into getting ready, getting dressed, going out to the world, the respect you give to yourself when you do that. Because it's really about, I'm giving myself the respect. I'm investing in me. And I kind of like always thought of it that way. I respect myself. I love myself. What does that do to my confidence? Pretty boosts it up. It's early and we're getting ready. Let's see here. I'll show you kind of the setup. Today I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna do this, this dress. I don't usually wear dresses, but I think I will. I also like this, I like these. Sometimes I just pick what I'm inspired to, to wear, what I'm feeling. And this is where I put my jewelry. Just got these clear boxes and I travel with them, which is great. Dimitri, what am I doing here? What we have options, Evie. Oh. You choose. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our setup here. Day one of my shoot with Lisa. She is, she is. With me, homies. He'd record every, every time he'd record. <laughs> I don't, apparently I can't even do iPhones. Find the confidence, find the confidence to do this. Unstoppable scene 1.6, take one. All right, guys, as you just saw, the hair, the makeup, the clothes, the boots, all of that makes such a difference to how you show up. So here we are in my closet, and I'm going to show you how I actually got prepared for today's episode. I want to feel confident. Everything has to start with the shoes and then I work my way up because sometimes you may pick a perfect outfit and the shoes don't actually go. So when I feel confident, there's only one freaking thing I go for and that is my bad bitch boots. Boom, here they are, bad bitch boots right here guys. These are the ones, they got some heel but it's quite thick, that way they don't fall. Got my boots, now I need the right set of pants. When I feel sexy, I actually feel confident, I feel powerful. So, I've got my boots, got my tight pants all here, and we go through which is the one, which is the one. Ding, ding, ding. These are the sexy pants. And here's the completed outfit. Got my shoes, got my sexy pants, and I got my top. All right, time for the jewelry. And like the weight of this, like it really does. I don't know, there's something mentally. Like Wonder Woman, she puts on her cuffs, prepared for battle. Alright guys, now I've got my bad bitch boots on, I've got my jewellery on, I've got my hair, I've got my top, I feel freaking sexy. And I actually am even acting more confident. Like go back and watch the other stuff. Like even the way I walk, the way I move my hands, my energy, listen to how loud I'm getting. So guys, I want you right now, right this second, to go into your closet, grab a piece of something, anything that makes you feel good about yourself. I don't care what it is. Put it on, look at yourself in the mirror, and I want you to say these words. I got this. I'm confident. I'm unstoppable. Is this thing on? Yeah, I think it's on, okay. Hey guys, so you just heard Lisa and I share some tools that we use to help build our confidence. We want you to take these tools and make them your own. So in those moments when you're struggling or you're having a hard time believing in yourself, embrace them, use them, make them work for you so that you can be the most confident version of yourself. Working to be confident and freaking badass can be very difficult. 
Now, I get it, guys. I get it. Kicking ass and taking names takes energy. But when it comes to micronutrients, you're like, wait, how much vitamin B do I need? It can be a daily freaking struggle to figure out and meet that perfect nutrition balance that you need to feel strong, focused and energized, which, of course, are all the things you need to become a freaking confident badass. So it's time to arm your body with every nutrient it absolutely deserves with AG1. Now, if you're a long-time listener, you might know that I've actually been supporting AG1 for many years now. And that's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. So if you want to take ownership of your life, That actually means you have to take ownership over your health. And it all starts, guys, with AG1. So, guys, go and try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go now to drinkag1.com slash Lisa. That's drinkag1.com slash Lisa. Go check it out. What up, my homie? First, I just want to actually thank you. Like from the bottom of my heart, sincerely, absolutely thank you for your support, your support for me, your support for the show, Women of Impact. Like you have no actual idea how much this really means to me when I had that original vision of what I wanted to do and no one was listening. So thank you. Thank you for being here and actually supporting other women along this journey. And I'm going to be honest, if you actually want to level up your confidence game, my homie, then check out Women of Impact's subscription channel. It's specifically designed to help you in every aspect that you're looking for. Now, here's what you get. You get new episodes delivered ad-free. You get exclusive access to listen to Women of Impact roundtable discussions, weekly motivation, previously unreleased episodes, and that's just the beginning. Subscriber-only access to an additional four podcasts with hundreds of archived Women of Impact episodes meticulously, meticulously curated into theme playlists and updated weekly so that you get the dose that you need. So if you're looking to boost your confidence, then go and check out the Get Confidence playlist. If you want to repair, heal, or start a relationship, then go check out Love Lab. And if you're wondering how you get your health back on track so that you can keep showing up to have the confidence that you're looking for, then go check out Health Hub. And of course, this wouldn't be complete without my weekly boost of mini motivations from moi. That's right, it will have you strutting down the street with your head held high, feeling like a freaking badass. And guess what the playlist is called? The Badass Boost, of course. So guys, don't settle for mediocrity when you can absolutely be extraordinary. So guys, subscribe to Women of Impact channel today on Apple Podcasts or Supercast. But no matter where you're listening, guys, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music or any other platform, make sure you're following so you don't miss out on other episodes. And don't forget to check out the show notes for more information on this episode, our incredible sponsors and upcoming events.